this series again is all about how do I get to where God wants me to be? And the key, no matter as we, the, the services we've had up to this point and certainly today, the key to making progress and the key to going where God wants you to be is this one word that you hear tossed around a lot in church circles. It's the word faith. It's the, the faith is, I know that God is calling me to something. I can't necessarily see how exactly I'm going to get there, but I'm going to trust that God will get me there if I'll obey now. Faith is saying, I know what to do right now, even if I don't know what to do in step number three, that will get me to where God wants me to be. Faith is trusting and obeying God when you don't know all of the steps. You wouldn't need faith if you knew exactly how everything was going to work out. If you could figure it out on your own, well, there's no reason to have faith. Faith says, I know there is somewhere that God wants me to be. I know that I'm not there. I don't know exactly how that process is going to work itself out, but I know what I can do today. I know how to be obedient on step one, even if I don't have step number two all sorted out. That's what faith is. Scripture says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you, you cannot live a Christian life without having faith. Faith is what brought you in to trusting in Jesus. You, you can't see Jesus physically. You can't go have a coffee with him. There was an aspect of faith that says, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and he did what he said he did. So you have some faith. Scripture says that inside of every single one of us is a measure of faith. You have faith inside of you. The question is, is my faith strong enough to take me where God wants me to be? And so we're going to look at a story this morning that is so, so phenomenal. At Joshua chapter 14, we get to the end of this guy's story, but his story really starts in Numbers chapter 13. It is a guy by the name of Caleb, and Caleb had this extraordinary, extraordinary life, and through his life, we're going to see five different things that if we are going to be people of faith and we're going to get to where God wants us to be, these are some things that we need to take seriously. Again, as we've said this whole series, these are not steps that you take. You don't take number step one, number one, and I get that checked off, and then I go to two. These are just principles. But if you have in your life, just like I have in my life, some areas that I know, man, I think God wants to grow me up here. I, my, my marriage is struggling, and there is strife, and there is frustration, and I don't think that's God's best for us, but we just can't get over the hump. How do we, how do we move? I, I feel like God is calling me to a ministry, or I feel like God is calling me to this career, or I feel like God is calling me to, to pay down some debt, whatever it is in your life. How do I get from here to there? Caleb's life shows us a few principles that hopefully all of us can put into our back pocket and apply to our life. And that's my goal. My goal is every time we open up scripture, it's not just information to be received, but that we can have something that we do with it. That if I just learn stuff, but if I don't put it into practice, then it's pretty worthless. You could have, you could have done something else with your morning. You, you could have you know, slept in or went out to brunch or something. The, the goal is not to just learn things, but to apply things. And so that's what I hope that we'll do this morning. The first principle that Caleb is going to show us is that if we're gonna get from where we're at to where God wants us to be is we gotta trust in God's plan. We gotta trust that this, I, again, I know where I'm at, I know that God wants me to be somewhere else. I'm gonna trust that he is able to get me 
where he wants me to go. Caleb is one of the Israelites, just a little bit of backstory. He had been born into slavery in Egypt. He was in Egypt when Moses came and he said to Pharaoh, let my people go. And he saw all of the different plagues and the frogs and the locusts and the hail and all those things. So Caleb was there for that. Pharaoh lets him go. Caleb gets across the the Red Sea on on dry land. This is Caleb's story, and Caleb has heard that God has said, that promised land is where you're supposed to be. The promised land is where you're going. I'm going to to take you and the people of Israel, and I'm gonna put you into this wonderful, wonderful place. That was what God had called them to do. He had a plan for not just Caleb, but for all of Israel, and so Moses gets Caleb, he gets Joshua, and he gets 10 other people, And he says, I want you to go into the land that God has given us. I want you to spy, and I want you to come and bring us a report of exactly what we're up against, what type of people are there, what kind of produce is there. And so 12 of these guys, Caleb included, go, and for 40 days they spy out the land, and they have this extraordinary, extraordinary visual of how wonderful and fruitful the land is, but then they come back, and then we find the tension. Numbers chapter 13 is where we find this story. God has already given them the land. Numbers chapter 13, we're gonna start in verse number 28. This is what, uh, this is what Caleb said. Let me find it in my own, in my own Bible here. Uh, but the people living there are, let's see. Yeah, the people living there uh, are powerful. This is Caleb's uh, report back to Moses. Yeah, the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hills country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, along the Jordan Valley. And so there's all of these challenges they're getting ready to face. Say, man, the, the report back is there are some big obstacles. I know this is what you've called me to do, but there are some big obstacles. Same is true in your life. Man, if there's a place that you are that God wants you to go, it's not necessarily going to be smooth sailing. And this is the children of Israel's story. There's, there's a place that God has promised to me, but man, there's some obstacles in the way verse number 30 says this way. But Caleb, he tried to quiet the people. He said, man, God's already given us this. This is God's promise. Yeah, there are some challenges, but this is where God has called us to be. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once. He trusted God's plan. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Skip number down to verse number seven in, verse number, in chapter 14. They said to the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land, and if the Lord is pleased with us, if this is what the God that we serve has called us to, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and with honey. And so Caleb just made the choice. I'm going to trust, despite what I see, I'm going to trust that this is where God is calling us. This is what God is moving us to. Then he continues and he says, don't rebel against the Lord. Don't, don't believe these other things. This is, this is God's direction for us. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. But the Lord, man, and it, it, as I follow him, the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. In your life, in my life, when we find this place, that this is where I am, this is where God's called me to be, you've got to decide, am I going to believe 
all of the challenges? Am I going to let the challenges discourage me? Am I going to let the overcoming opportunities push me away and keep me from God's best? Or am I going to say, yeah, there is some struggle, there are some challenges, but this is what God's called me to do. And if this is what God has called me to do, I'm just going to put one step in front of the other. And if this is what God is telling me to obey right here, I'm going to obey it. I don't know how it's going to look in two months. I don't know how it's going to look in a year. But I know that this is what God's called me to do right now. And so in faith, I'm just going to obey. That was Caleb's principle. That was how Caleb set his mind. He said, if, man, if God's called us to it, yeah, the Jebusites are there and there's giants there, but... Are they bigger than God? Are they more powerful than God? If God is called, isn't he going to make a way? And in my life, in your life, when God calls, God is the one who equips. If God has called you to something, if God has called you to move away from an addiction or to step up into a ministry or to find this new career opportunity, if that's what God has called you to do, God is going to equip you to do it. Yeah, God, I mean, the Israelites, they're, they're, they weren't lying. There were giants there. They weren't lying. There were a lot of battles to face, but they had God on their side. God called them to this. God is the one who equips God's people to do the work that he's called them to do. And so in your life, you've got to decide, which do I, which do I focus on? Do I focus on what God has called me to do, or do I focus on all the challenges that are along the way? Do I focus on what God's ultimate goal is, or do I focus on all of the challenges that I might face? If I focus on all the challenges, if I focus on all the reasons it can't be done, if I focus on all the reasons that it's going to be hard, yeah, man, well, I'm just going to get discouraged really, really fast. But if I can say, like what Caleb said, yeah, there's some problems, but if God's on our side, what's the big deal? If God be for us, who can be against us is what the apostle Paul said. And so the same is true in your life. Here's the second principle that Caleb shows us that we just resist negativity. How many of you know some negative people in your life? Anybody met a negative? I see, I see that, I see that hand. Yeah. You, you've met some negative people. How many of you, if you're honest, you don't have to show your hands. We all know. I've been the negative Nancy at some point in your, your life. I've been the negative guy. It's, it's just natural for some of us. And Caleb had that, that frustration. Here's verse number 31 through uh, chapter 13, verse number 31, we'll read through verse number 4 of 14. But the other men who had explored the land with them disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread a bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people that we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. You might have that in your life. When you, when you see the challenges that are facing you, you think, man, I'm just a grasshopper to this. There's no way that I'm bigger than that. So 10 people decided to bring that report. The, the whole nation were, was relying on the report of these 12 people. Caleb and Joshua said, no, we're believing God. We think God is going to make a way. If God be for us, who can be against us? But these other 10 people, they convinced a whole nation. Verse number one of chapter 14. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. Listen to what they said. Listen to what 10 people were able to change the trajectory of an entire nation. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. They, they were willing to go back into slavery. 
I mean, these are people that all they had known was slavery. And yet these were people that walked across the Red Sea on dry land. And 10 people kind of started to whisper, oh, it's gonna be hard. Oh, I don't think it's possible. Oh, look at all the challenges. And a whole nation decided, I, you know what, I think you're right. I think it is impossible. I know we did walk across the dry land and I know God did send all those plagues and I know that God did free us from Egypt, but I just don't think, I think this is too big for him. It's just negative. They just spread it. Verse number three, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader, listen to this, and go back to Egypt. Now, that happens in our life too, right? You've got a vision, you've got a thing, you say, I think this is what God's called me to do, and then you start to hear some whispers People tell you why it's gonna be hard and you start to believe some negative people and you get around some people that are just kind of, well, what about this? And they poke holes in your dreams and poke holes in why it can't be done. And all of a sudden you find yourself in that place that I think you might be right. Well, maybe this isn't possible. Maybe this isn't what God has called me to do. I love what Zig Ziglar said. Zig Ziglar was a motivational speaker, and this isn't in the Bible, but I just love this principle. Don't let negative and toxic people rent space in your head. Raise the rent and kick them out. And I just, I just think that that is just the best advice. Because you know what 10 people did? 10 people changed the entire trajectory of an entire nation. God's plan for Caleb was to get to the promised land. God's plan for Joshua was to get to the promised land. God's plan for all of the nation of Israel was to get to the promised land, but because the nation believed the negative people, it derailed the entire nation. For 40 years, they wandered around the desert. Anyone under the age of 20, because they believe the negative report, because they let that negativity get into their life and say, I think you're right, I think they, the giants, are stronger than our God, it derailed what God's plan for their life is. The same is true in my life, the same is true in your life. That the plan that God has for you can be derailed by the people that are around you. The plan that God is calling you to and where God wants to move you to can be taken aside and derailed because you just start to believe the wrong people. Your response to negativity matters. You can't eliminate all the negative people in your life, but you can decide how am I gonna respond to them. Am I gonna believe what God says? Am I gonna believe the people that try to poke holes in it? God doesn't promise you a a trouble-free journey. I mean, again, they weren't lying. There were giants there. And from their perspective, they looked like grasshoppers to them. That was all all true. But the problem was not that there was something that was in the way. It's just that they decided, I think that that is bigger than God. And in your life, in my life, when God has called you to something, he doesn't promise a smooth journey. He's never promised that it's never going to be challenging. There's not going to be difficulties in the way. He just promises, I'm calling you to it. I'm going to equip you for it. And so your perception of of problems matter. How, How am I going to face this when when negativity comes and when people try to poke holes and when people tell me all the reasons that it can't work and why people tell me, well, just go ahead and leave him and just go ahead and leave her. It's never going to get better. How How do I respond to that? What I want to do and what I want you to hopefully do is to learn to see problems through not just the lens of what's happening right now, But I want to see the the problems that I face, the problems that you face, through the lens of what has God promised? 
I want to see the problems that present themselves through the lens of this is where God has called me to do. And that's what Caleb was trying to get his people to do. He says, yeah, you are exactly right. There are giants, but God's promised this to us. And so if you can see those problems through the lens of God is with us, God is for us, God is on our side, God's fighting for us, then those problems seem like they're a little bit smaller. It's just, where do you put the problems? Do you put God before the problems? Do you put the problems before God? It just depends on the filter. If you put the problems in your life before God, what's going to happen? The problems are going to overshadow and outweigh God. But if you can say, this is who God is, this is what God has called me to do, this is where God has called me to be, I'm going to put that in front of the problems that I may face, all of a sudden, they, okay, yeah, it's going to be difficult, yes, it's going to be challenging, yeah, I've been addicted for 20 years, but God's called me to clean up, and God's called me to get sober, and so I'm just going to see all of the problems through the promises and the faithfulness of God. You've just got to decide, where do the problems go? In front of God or behind God? And where you put the problems and where you put the challenges, that's going to determine, am I going to get derailed by the problems or am I going to let God's faithfulness shine through the challenges that I might face? It's just a matter of priority. Here's the third principle that we learned from Joshua is that we remember God's faithfulness. Again, Joshua, born into slavery, he witnessed God's saving power. He crossed over the, the Red, uh, Red Sea on, on dry land. What an incredible, incredible thing. And, or, and he said, and I, I've been led by God through a, if you read the story in, in Exodus, really amazing, a uh, fire by night, a cloud by day. He had seen God do all these extraordinary things. He ate manna that was provided by God. He had seen over and over and over again, God is faithful. God didn't leave his people. God didn't abandon his people. God came through for his people. And God's faithfulness in the past helped uh, Caleb to have confidence and certainty in the future. Because again, you're going to have problems. I'm going to have problems. Caleb was going to have problems. But Caleb decided God's faithfulness in the past puts today's trouble in perspective. I mean, why could Caleb be so confident that they were going to overcome the giants? Well, because he had seen what God had done before. Egypt was the greatest superpower of the known world. I mean, Pharaoh was considered to be a god. No one dared come up against Pharaoh, and yet Caleb watched Pharaoh shrink beneath the power of God. He had seen God's faithfulness over and over and over in my life in your life. You have got, and maybe for some of you, it's writing it down and saying, this are, these are the times that I've seen God come through. This is where I've seen God answer prayer. This is where I've seen God come through for me when I didn't think it was going to happen. This is how I've seen God work. And if God has been faithful in the past, why wouldn't he continue to be faithful in the future? If God freed us from the Egyptians, why wouldn't he take us into the promised land? Did he just take us out of Egypt to let us die in the wilderness? I don't think so. Has God done all of these miraculous things just to let us be crushed by the giants? I don't think so, and so God's faithfulness in the past gives him hope to say, I think the same God is going to be with us in the future. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 77. Then I recall all that you've done, and you've got to do this because your life is busy, my life is busy, 
and you get inundated with all of the chaos and all of the problems and all of the other things, and so you just have to recall to mind all that you've done. Man, man, when I was in the weeds, when I was in the ditch, when everybody had abandoned me, God, you were still faithful. When I didn't think it was ever gonna work, you answered the prayer. When I thought all hope was lost, you came through. When I was that freshman in college and I could have died and I should have left away, all the things I just bring to mind. God, you have been so faithful. I remember all you've done. I remember your wonderful deeds not just of long ago, but of last week and two months ago and when I was here and when I was in that thing, I, I just remember that they are, go to that next slide, constantly in my thoughts. It, I mean, again, what do you think about? Where is God in, in your mindset? Are you thinking about all the problems or can you do like the psalmist? I'm just, constantly I'm thinking, God is faithful. God is faithful, God is faithful, God is with me. God will never leave me, God is never gonna forsake me. They're constantly in my mind. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. And that's just encouraging for me. And I say, man, I, yeah, I'm facing some struggles, I'm facing some, some challenges, but I'm also serving the same God. I'm facing some new challenges and there's some new tri trials that I'm having, but it's the same God throughout. The same God that rescued Caleb is the same God that I serve. The same God that brought the Egyptians to their knees and brought the Israelites out into freedom is the same God that I serve on, what's the date? August 27th, 2023. And I don't need God to rescue me from slavery, but I need God to rescue me from some things. And I don't need God to bring me out of Egypt, but I need God to bring me out of some things. And I might not be facing a land full of giants, but I am facing some things that are bigger than me. But the good news is, is that no matter what challenges we face, God is still the same. He hasn't changed. And so I just recall, God is faithful, God is faithful. If he's been faithful in the past, why wouldn't he be faithful in the future? If he came through for them, why wouldn't he come through for me? If he answered those prayers, why wouldn't he answer these prayers? It's the same God. Here's the fourth one, we gotta keep moving. This, is, this one is difficult for me. Don't be discouraged by delays. Don't be discouraged by delays. Now I am, and if you get to know me very much, I am impatient. I have an idea and I'm immediately like on fire. Like I just, I said it a couple weeks ago, I, nobody out ideas me. I can idea, but, but my problem is, is I'll have an idea and 30 seconds later, I'm shopping for how am I going to do this? I'm on Amazon, I'm saying, okay, if I bought this and if I bought that. And literally last night, I had an idea. And I said to Brandy, we were talking about something totally, totally random, and my ADD fired up, and in the middle of a conversation, an idea popped into my head. I have got plans for days already. Is it a, is it a well thought out idea? No, has that ever stopped me in the past? Absolutely not, I'm just ready to go. I'm just an idea man, and so it just, it bothers me to have to wait. It bothers me to have to like, well Kyle, what about this? Don't worry about that. What about this right now? What can we do right now? And so this is just for me. Maybe, maybe the rest of you are more mature than me. You guys are probably way further ahead than me. So this part is for me. So let me just hear me say this to me, and you can tune out for a little bit. But for me, I need to remember, man, don't be discouraged by delay. Skip ahead in your Bible if you want to. If you've got to print a Bible, go now to Joshua chapter 14. This is kind of where we're, we're, we're finding Caleb's end of the story. 45 years have passed. 
45 years. And so because the Israelite people, let me just give you a little backstory. Because the Israelite people decided we're gonna believe the negative Nancys instead of Joshua and Caleb, they wandered around the wilderness. An entire generation died. Only Caleb and Joshua of that group were allowed to go into the promised land. Moses has died, Joshua is in charge. They're taking the land, there's all sorts of battles. And in Joshua chapter 14, verse number six, Caleb has a meeting with Joshua. The delegation from the time of Judah, led by Caleb, son of some people that I can't pronounce, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned. That was when he and the 12 went. He was 40 years old. Some of you are 40. Uh, verse number eight, but, I, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, he did what he said he would do. I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. I didn't follow the negative. I didn't follow what people said wasn't possible. I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. And so that day, Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan, on which you were just walking, will be your grant of land, and that of your descendants forever, because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Verse number 10. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive, and he has promised, and, and, and well, as he promised for all of these 45 years. I don't like waiting 45 seconds. Caleb, 45 years between when Moses said, hey, Caleb, you believed God, that's the land that you're gonna have one day. Not 45 days, not 45 months, 45 years had passed. I'm not much for math, but if Caleb was 40 years old when he had the thing, 45, 85 years old now. 85 years old, but listen to, what, listen to what he says. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered around the wilderness. Today, I'm 85 years old. Listen to this. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. And so give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts we found descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns, but he's remained faithful. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. What was it in Caleb that waited for not just one year or two years or three, but for 45 years? He just maintained his faith in God. He just said, if God has promised this to me, even if it doesn't happen right away, I'm just going to still trust him. If God has called me to this, if this is what God has given me, even if it takes all of this time, my faith in him is not going to get watered down because it takes longer than I think it should. J Joyce Meyer said it this way. She said, patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while waiting. And that's, I mean, that's important because you can't hurry things along. I mean, you can't make things happen sometimes, but you can choose what type of attitude do I have while I'm waiting for them. I can't make things happen faster. Neither could Caleb. 
But Caleb was able to decide, in the waiting, I don't have to be negative, I don't have to be a naysayer, I don't have to be a gossip, I don't have to whinge and complain and whine and say, woe is me and I'm the victim and I can't. I, for 45 years, Caleb believed, God is faithful, God is faithful, God is faithful. If God has called me to it, he's gonna deliver it. If God has promised it, he's going to keep his promise. And here's the thing about Caleb, and the same is true for us. No matter how much faith Caleb had, he was not getting into the land any faster. Caleb could not faith God into doing what God wasn't ready to do. And neither can you. You can't, you can't force God's hand. You can't, you, sometimes God, it's not time yet. It's not time for you to, to get there. It's not time for you yet to have that. And so you have to decide in the waiting, what do I do? In the waiting, how do I respond to, I really don't wanna be waiting. I really don't want this delay, but how do I respond? Again, the psalmist said it this way, be still in the presence of the Lord. That's just a good word for some of us that are like me, that are a little bit impatient. Just be still in the presence of the Lord. Wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry, you see all these other people that they seem to be winning. They seem to be making it. God, they're not even trying to serve you. They're not even trying to do the right thing. They're not even trying to be uh, people that are, that are following you, and yet they seem to be having their life go flawless. Their life seems wrinkle-free, and they don't do anything. I'm trying to do all the right things, and I'm praying, and I'm attending church, and I'm doing all the right things, and yet I seem to be languishing here. What is the deal? Well, the psalmist says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about the evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Hey, stop being so angry. Go to that next slide. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper, but it only leads to harm. For eventually, go on, the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord, what's gonna happen to them? Well, they're gonna possess the land. I just, I just choose, I am going to wait. The wicked will be destroyed, those who, uh, soon the wicked will disappear, though you look for them, they will be gone. Again, Caleb, no matter what attitude he had, he was waiting for 45 years. He, he wasn't gonna pr out, he wasn't gonna convince God to let him in any faster. And so the only thing Caleb could decide, the same is true for you, the only thing you sometimes can decide is what attitude do I have while I'm in the waiting? While I am in this place that I don't wanna be, while I'm in this job that I don't really wanna have and I think I'm overqualified and I'm underpaid, while I'm here and I'm praying for something different, I'm praying for something better, what attitude do I have in the meantime? I'm in this marriage and it is tense and we are struggling and there is just no light at the end of the tunnel and it just feels like we're uh, going through the motions and we can't keep any traction and we just keep button heads. What do I do in the meantime? What kind of attitude do I have in in the meantime, you can't choose the timing, but you can choose the attitude. You can't choose how it's all going to work out and when it's gonna work out, but you can just choose like Caleb did. Even when God is later than I want him to be, I'm just going to choose to be faithful. Here's the fifth one, then we gotta be done for the day. That we, eventually, we receive God's promises. Eventually, one of these days, God is going to come through. Verse number 13 and, and 14, then we'll be done for the day. Thanks for hanging with me. So Joshua blessed Caleb 
and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, the son of Jephthah, I don't know, the Kenzanite who wholeheartedly followed God, the God of Israel. Caleb eventually, he got there. He received what God has promised. The same is true for you. When God makes a promise, God, I'm just telling you, he keeps his promise. When God makes a promise to you, God keeps his promise. And in the meantime, do you know what God has promised you? God has not promised that every day is gonna be a great day. God has not promised that you're never going to have any frustration. God has not promised even to heal every disease that plagues you. God has not promised that you're going to have all the money in the bank that you could ever want. God has not promised that every relationship is going to go just exactly perfect. But do you know what God has absolutely 100% promised you? The same thing that he promised Paul. My grace is sufficient. In the meantime, in the waiting, in the struggle, in the frustration, in the I, I want it to be better, I want it to be, to be different, here's what God has promised. And if God makes a promise, God always keeps his promise. His grace is sufficient. It's enough. It's enough for you. It's enough for the long days. It's enough for the struggle. Not only that, but my strength, his strength, is made perfect in, in weakness. Strength enough to say, I'm gonna get up one more day and trust you. I'm gonna get up one more day and do what I know that I'm supposed to do even when I don't see the results. That's what we talked about last week. Even when I don't see the results of obedience. I'm, I'm just telling you, if you don't take away anything else today, take away that God has promised that to you. God has promised strength and God has promised grace. God has promised strength for your journey. He's promised grace when it's in the struggle. He has promised it, and when God makes a promise, God keeps his promise. I don't know where all of us are today, but I think what's true for, at least for me, in my season of life, I, I know that this is where I'm at, and this is where God's called me to be, and there's a gap there. Maybe you can relate. Well, Caleb shows us that there's a way to get there, and it's not you know, like this, just kind of up and to the right. Sometimes it's down and a few steps backwards and the struggle and the frustration and 45 years of waiting or whatever it is. But we just choose faith. We just choose that, God, man, if you were faithful in the past, you're gonna be faithful in the future. And so that's what I'm praying for you this morning. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I'm praying for those that, that this message hits maybe even a little bit too close to home, that they are in the midst of it right now. Maybe they're in what they would even consider a wilderness, and they've been circling and circling, and they know that there's a promise out there, but they just can't seem to, to find the way. Lord, I'm praying that your promise of grace and strength would be so evident to them, that your promise that you have never left them and you have never forsaken them would be so evident to them. Lord, I'm praying for, for patience in all of us. Lord, in the waiting, in the while we're waiting for you to do what only you can do. Would you help us to have a good attitude while waiting? Lord, would you increase our faith in you? Would you increase our trust in you? Lord, for those that know there's something God's called me to do and they've just been uncertain, they've been waiting and they've been delaying and they've been kind of shoving you to the side because they don't know exactly how it's all gonna work out. Lord, I'm praying that they would be willing to exercise that faith that they have to say, I'm gonna obey what I know God is calling me 
to do. I'm going to do what God is calling me to do, even though I don't know exactly how it's going to end. Thank you, Lord, for the faith that you've given us, and would you give us the courage to do what you've called us to do with what we've heard today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.